This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Analyzing Anfield. As we approach uh, what is going to be the England announcements for the Euros, uh, this is usually a Liverpool podcast. We're going to keep it Liverpool themed. I'm joined as ever by David Hughes. Dave, how are you getting on? Yeah, very good. Thank you, mate. Very good indeed. Yeah, and we're just going to talk about what has been a contentious topic for months, and that is since the Grand Arnold, really. We're going to delve into you know, his game a little bit. It's going to be a shorter episode, of course, with it being a special. And we're just going to talk about maybe why England, maybe there's a few doubts there, you know, why he's driving at Liverpool and he's deemed to be not so useful for England, how Gareth Southgate maybe should use him, how he shouldn't use him. All that sort of stuff, really, just a general, I suppose, a, a talking sense episode, Dave. Mm. Um, he, he has certainly been a, a player to split opinion when it comes to the England uh, call-up, at least. Uh, have you got any general thoughts on, on him being left out, first of all, before we get truly into him? And obviously, he's been announced in the, in the provisional squad, but when he got excluded a few months back, you know, were you surprised? I was surprised. Um, I look, I have to, I have to say, hand, hand on heart, though, uh, I do believe he, he wasn't in his best form at that period of the campaign. Um, so you know, I, I could understand the reasoning behind it. Uh, that being said, it didn't feel like he'd been poor enough to be left out the side. Like for me, he feels like one of the. You know, one of the key foundations. You have maybe a core group of internationals for England that should be in there, uh, barring anything too severe. You know, should be in there for every selection, uh, irrespective of the not at the top of the game. Uh, and I, I would have included him there. You know, I would have put him in there with with the likes of Harry Kane and you know maybe Harry Maguire, those type of players. Uh, so yeah, I was a little bit surprised. I wasn't sure maybe. The fact that he wasn't available for the uh, the selections uh, six months earlier, maybe that would have, that was a factor, and it was easier to leave him out. But it was certainly a shock. I think for me, although it was a, a bit of a surprise, I think it's it's been insistent since thinking about it though, because uh, obviously Southgate used the, the fact that we've got plenty of right backs, and uh, since hasn't been in his best form and stuff like that. But I also think. He he, Southgate's almost saw there as a bit of an opportunity to to leave him out because I don't think Trent has played particularly great for England um, compared to Liverpool at least, and I don't think he's been as valued by Southgate compared to a player like uh, compared to a manager like Klopp. So I think although there was underlying reasons maybe behind Trent getting dropped, I do think Southgate was almost keen to do it. It was an opportunity whereby he could have done it. And I think he's, he's he obviously did. It caused uproar and stuff. But just getting into Trent's game then, you know, when it comes to what he's good at, the absolute basics when it comes to the tactical approach of your team, it's, it's supposed to, in, in essence, get the best out of your players. It's supposed to shine a spotlight on what they're good at and hopefully mask what they're bad at. So in terms of Trent... Just the absolute basics. What would you say is good? Because I think he, I think there's kind of four boxes 
really four main boxes where you can say he's above average, he's better than the average fullback, certainly, and the average player in most cases when it comes to these these areas. Mm. I think the obvious one is he's an, an excellent creative asset. Uh, in some ways, maybe even unrivaled compared to others in that position. Now, look, I, I appreciate there's a lot of good, threatening wing-backs in the Premier League. Uh, you know, there's there's one on the opposite flank in Robertson. But I think if you if you look at the kind of the way in which a lot of wing backs traditionally attack or pro- provide that offensive threat, it's it's regularly with those overlapping runs. Uh, you know, kind of crosses from the byline. A blueprint of of Trent is a little bit different, isn't it? He, he, a lot of us, he, he can do all that. You know, we've seen that as well, but. Some of his most penetrating kind of uh, deliveries into the box tends to be a little bit deeper in those kind of half space areas, and I'd say the 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 more impressive from a technical point of view, you know, the whip that he gets on it, you can tell he just has that extra kind of technical ability compared to other other wing backs across the division. Uh, and then that brings you brings you on to something that he's, re- that he's really good at, and that's being a you know phenomenal uh, passer of the ball. You know he's got such a an effective and varied passing artillery that um, it makes him basically a, a threat on not only on the right side of the pitch but also in terms of switching it over to the opposite flank. And if you think of what Liverpool face week in week out on a regular basis. Um, you know, quite often you need to have that um, switch of play capacity to to off, you know overcome these teams that sit so so deep. So they they they're two main things for me, and that's not even touching on anything else. You know, any sort of defensive aspects or anything he brings to the side. No, I agree. I think you know when you look at his game, I think ideally you want him to be in a role where he's doing he's doing ball progression. I think is is one of his key strengths. Just moving you from A to B, moving you up the field. He's really, really good at that. Chance creation, which you know you touched on in terms of his his creativity and stuff. He's just he's right up there with the best when it comes to creating chances for his teammates to score. Switching the play, which you've just mentioned, and crossing. I think th- those are probably the four departments for me where he's he's w- way above average in terms of his quality. Um. You know, if you if you look at Europe's top five leagues this season, for example, so key passes. Obviously, it's a few blind spots to the metric, but key passes just you know a, a pass that directly leads to a shot. So obviously, it includes set pieces, which maybe isn't ideal. Maybe he wants some open play in there, but in terms of those key passes, Trent ranks fifteenth in in Europe's top five leagues this season. And for a bit of perspective, the only defender he's behind is Philip Kostic at Frankfurt. And I'm pretty sure he plays extremely offensively. I, th- I think he used to be a, a winger, Kostic. So mm. I haven't caught much of Frankfurt this season, but by looking at that, you can kind of say Trent's been the most creative, in essence, of of, of all the fullbacks in Europe's top five leagues this season. Just behind him is Luke Shaw, uh, who's been, you know, got voted Manchester United's player of the year and stuff. And then when it comes to what else I mentioned in terms of his, his ball progression. So, progressive passes, top of the league 
top of Europe, top five league, sorry, for the season. Uh, Lionel Messi, shock. And then in second, funnily enough, former Liverpool man, Luis Alberto, uh, who's another, I suppose, attacking midfielder. And then you've got Trent. So that's kind of what you want him doing. And that's, that's thankfully, what Jürgen Klopp has got him doing at Liverpool. You know, there's, there's underlying reasons why he thrives at Liverpool to do with the, the details of the system, which, you know, I'll let Dave go into next. But in terms of why he thrives at Liverpool, it's it's largely because Klopp provides him with a platform to essentially do those things, basically. Mm, yeah, yeah, spot on. Um, you know, for the bulk, if you think of the, the bulk of um, Trent's time at the club so far, since he's come through, at the senior setup, um, Liverpool have been quite untraditional in a way that they've been less focused on having you know creative profiles through the middle of the pitch, you know, in the midfield, which, as we've said many a time on this show, is has uh, always been a little bit more industrious. You know, you've had players like Henderson, you know, Milner, Wijnaldum, these these type of Fabinho who really good at breaking up play, uh, recycling the ball. Um, I often play kind of self-sacrificing and what that means is, you know, the wing-back areas for Liverpool have become th- those real kind of um, creative forces, I guess. Um, you know, every, every, a lot of it's been centred around building down in those spaces um, and the ability to switch the play means that, you know, we can go from either flank if, you know, one, if one side becomes crowded and switch it over to the other. Uh, and you've just got two really good creative assets, and uh, the reason I say it's quite unique is that if you think of, if you think of the, you know, other other rivals of Liverpool in the Premier League, you think of uh, Manchester United. You know, they've got Bruno Fernandez through the middle there, kind of key creative spark. You know, got Paul Pogba in there as well. Manchester City, Kevin De Bruyne. You know, a, a lot of a lot of the creative threats, although they have threats on in the wing back areas through the likes of you know Shaw. Walker, whoever, um, it, it still almost funnels a lot to going through the middle uh, with Liverpool to the complete opposite, and obviously that's perfect for Trent because he sees a lot of the ball. He's given a lot of uh, attacking and creative freedom. You know that those those stats nah, made me laugh early in the year where people kept it, it become a bit of a a theme, didn't it, for the few weeks where it, it, everyone was kind of counting how many times. Trent lost possession of the ball. Um, yeah. But, you know, the irony is that he's given that freedom to take more chances, isn't he? Um, and therefore, he is going to turn over the ball more, but that doesn't mean that he's he's suddenly a really bad player. Um, so, yeah, Liverpool's just been created this perfect platform platform for him to produce his best work. Uh, probably better than if he was at, you know, another club where they've got these key creative profiles through the middle of the pitch. A funny little aspect, actually, on top of what you've just mentioned there regarding this tendency to lose the ball, is out of his past four seasons at Liverpool in the Premier League, he's completed his highest completion rate is this season. Um, he completed this season on average 75.3% of his passes. Last season, when Liverpool won the league, it was under 72%. Uh, around 74% the year before and around 73% the year before that. So roughly, you know, when Trent is on the ball and he's making passes, he's kind of losing the ball over 25% of the time, a lot of the time. 
and uh, you know that's that that's kind of it depends on the way you look at it. It, it it's it could be deemed as a weakness it, but for me it, i think it offers an insight into his role and i think you know he's spot on when it comes to what he's doing at liverpool i think you know the midfielders that have been at the club obviously Naby Keita was brought in but i think he he hasn't been able to stake a, a regular spot basically and the, the midfielders clubs had to field has kind of almost forced that progression onto Trent's shoulders and onto Robertson's shoulders. Um, so the system just kind of works. The system's kind of balanced. And then when it comes to the final third, Trent's able to take all these kind of risks and he's able to lose the ball this often because the midfielders, Klopp has been fielding, are just so capable of regaining the ball, recovering the ball, and then just starting again. You know, you think of Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Henderson, how keen they are to just to counter press to restart another wave of attacks, you know that that prevents Trent with a platform to thrive, and I think you know those those key areas that I've just mentioned above, in terms of you know ball progression, chance creation, switching the play, crossing. He's he's allowed to do all of those things from from right back, you know the right back position, right back role, whatever you want to call it. Presents him with a platform to do those things. It doesn't really negate any of them, um, and it's kind of where he, in my opinion, needs to play for England. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. When it comes to England, Dave, obviously Southgate receives a lot of stick from the Liverpool fan base. Um, he gets talked about as you know tactically naive and stuff like that but I actually I actually like the way he's thinking with it in a way because I I was sick of seeing you know years back trying to play Scholes and Gerrard and Lampard in the same system and alongside two strikers and it was just frustrating so I think I actually think Southgate's playing tactical balance maybe more, more than a lot of England managers I've seen in the past mm. um, and I can see why looking at Trent he's kind of deemed to be, I suppose the best way you could label him is he's quite an unconventional fit, isn't he? He's a bit of an unconventional tactical fit, and I think from an England perspective, that might not be what what Southgate is after, really. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, you know, we just touched on, you know, uh, just touched on earlier, uh, Liverpool's Premier League rivals and the players they kind of have in those central or attacking positions, uh, you know, your Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba's, Kevin De Bruyne's, stuff like that, players like that. Um, and I said that he may, Trent may not have thrived as much as he has at Liverpool if he was at one of those clubs. And, you know, England's the prime example. You you touched on it at the top of the show where he, he's, he's not always felt like he's been a top performer at international level. Now, I don't remember them having a I don't remember watching him in an England game and being blown away. That's not to say he's played particularly poorly either, but it's just a different level of performance for England compared to what he does at the clubs at club level. Um, and then, obviously, you look at the, the squad Southgate has. You know, you think of the creative type they've got in there. Phil Foden, you know, Jack Grealish, Mason Mount, players like that who are you know, more central type players, or more creative players in between those lines. And if you think of the, the 
if you think of playing them and then having Trent in there as well and, and trying to see the best version of him, you can see why there does seem to be a little bit of an unbalance there. So then what you're then looking at is do you pl- have Trent playing a little bit more of a re- kind of conservative version of himself, you know, more like a traditional right back? And we've said before, you know, built both really big fans of him, goes, goes without saying, but if he didn't have everything that he has in terms of his creative capacity, technical ability, you know, passing range, you know, if you were just relying solely on his ability as a right back, you know, uh, specifically, say, defensively, is he a phenomenal talent? I, I think it's fair to say probably not. Not a bad defender. I think what what's getting blared, the lines are getting blared a little bit between being a kind of, you know, Premier League level, right back, standard defender, and being suddenly this horrendous player who, who can't defend for his life. That's too far. He isn't that. But, you know, when you strip away all these kind of talents that he does have and just judge him as a, as a box standard right back playing a box standard right back's role, you know, is he, is he, is he better than a, than a Reese James or a, I don't know, Trippier? I, I haven't watched a lot of Trippier at Atletico, so I don't know if he's improved since the Spurs days. Apparently, he, you know, he has, he's been a top performer, but, you know, on that basis, if he's just looking at it like that, from the, this is from the eyes of Southgate, if that's how he's looking at it, then maybe he's thinking, well, you know, to play this more traditional right-back role, I might be better going with one of the other candidates than, than Trent. No, I think you're spot on. You know, I agree with everything you've just said there, really. I think if, you, if you'd if you never seen Trent and you was to watch him for the first time and you could only see him without the ball, if you could only watch Trent in defence, really, I think you'd probably deem him as as bang average. Really, you, you wouldn't think he was a special talent. You wouldn't think he had anything unique to his game. You, you see all of that when he's on the ball. That, that that's that's Trent's game, really. And as you just said, mm-hmm. you know, England could field in the same team: Grealish, Foden, Mount, even Kane. Kane offers plenty of ball position nowadays. Yeah, so, okay. mm-hmm. you know, in terms of Trent's usual qualities, they just they, they maybe get a little bit stifled. At England level, um, because of the, the teammates he's surrounded by, and I suppose the emphasis, the spotlight is then placed on Southgate. You know, do, do you want to give Trent a dominant role in, or or not? You know, do, do you want to give an unconventional role to Trent, or do you want to stay more conventional? Because the the perks of those, you know, Grealish, Foden, Mount, they offer Trent type qualities. In conventional ways, so you can have a bit of a normal, you know. I keep coming back to the way conventional, an orthodox mm. system. If if you if you feel those plays compared to, so you you could field Grealish, Foden, Mount, and you could field Kyle Walker maybe, um, and the system would kind of play out how how a traditional system would have, you know, sort of thing. So I I do see why he's kind of deemed to be a, a little bit of an odd tactical fit. Um, having said that, I do think this term gets f- coined all the time, really. Uh, but I do think he's he's kind of in the gener- generational mould. I don't think you see many right backs able to to impact the game like Trent does. And someone said, I can't remember, a pun said recently on a game, he's probably the only one of the only right backs in Europe, really, who who can win you a game on his own. Um, and there's not many right backs out there that can do that. So. 
obviously me being a Liverpool fan, I would be inclined to say to Southgate, you know, you need to be a bit more inclined to give Trent the keys to the team, basically. Mm. But uh, I can I can also see why he's a little bit reluctant to do that, given the, the traditional attackers he's got at his disposal. Um, but I think anyway, I think Southgate will pick him in the squad. I'm not sure he will start every game, specifically the first game. I think it's quite tough. England have got maybe is it Croatia or someone like that. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Yeah. No, but in terms, got... in terms of how we should be used, Dave, you know, roles. You know, Southgate's talked about him as a potential midfielder and stuff like this. I think there's, if, if we're being really varied with it, I think there's there's five possible roles Trent could po- probably um, take up, basically. I think you've got right back, you've got right wing back in a three. You've got, I think... Um, left of a three as a right-sided centre-back, I think is an interesting shout that no one's mentioned. You've got right-sided midfield in a three. You've got a double six as one of the sixes and you've got as a right-winger. I think those are your options for Trent, if you're being really elaborate about it, you know, if you want to go across all kinds of different positions. But I think if you look at them, I, I do think a lot of them have downsides apart from Right back, really. I think if you look back at the start of the show, when we were talking about what Trent is good at, I think he's he the only role, in my opinion, where he's allowed to do all of his good things is right back for me, and possibly um, right side of a three. I think other than that, every role would kind of stifle some form of his game for me. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um... I think that's the, that that's the the main issue. It's also a big gamble because, you know, uh, I think trying him out in one of those other positions. The problem is for Southgate, he's under so much scrutiny, isn't he? And I think some of what we're saying, you know, about giving him, uh, giving them the keys, so to speak, letting them be that you know, that the main man, the 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 kind of focal point, the one that everything got the play that all the the play goes through almost. I think the issue is you'd have to build a team around them. You'd probably have to leave out a lot of these other really uh, valued attacking talents. So you you make some mouths, Foden's, those type of players, Grealish's. Would they have to start on the bench? If you don't get the results you're looking for, you know the, the scrutiny from the media will be all about his decision to have these players as disposable at his disposal. And not use them, um, and and instead, you know, around Trent, and it it doesn't get the positive results. It could do, but I'm just trying to look at it from his point of view. So then, I think with with that in mind, that probably he'd have similar fears about trying them out somewhere else. So it would be right back, but then again, as for everything we just said, would he will he play him there? You know, maybe the right wing back might work with the back the back three, but. I can I can understand this headache a little bit. So does it make sense to just use him, use him, uh, use him in the best possible way? Give him all the tools he needs to to go and impact the team and win win football matches for you. But obviously, he's probably looking Southgate's probably looking at it from wider point of view and thinking, you know, it's a gamble. I've got a really good squad there without him. You know, I could put together a really good solid eleven without him in the team. Uh, I'm probably good enough to go and compete as well. 
So is that the, the safer option? Maybe it is. Yeah, the thing is as well, Harry Maguire is kind of, you know, battling for his fitness. And if, if Maguire's not fit, Southgate probably doesn't play a back four, which means there's no right back slot, which that would mean he's either playing as a right wing back or a right sided centre back. Um, now, he's been used as a right wing back by Southgate. And I think I can see why he's done that because, you know, typically it looks as though, if you think of a typical wing back, he's being allowed to have his defensive flaws a little bit masked because he's getting covered and he's playing a bit more offensively. And, um, you know, he can just go and attack as normal, basically. Mm-hmm. But I think what that has done in the past when he's played wing back for, for England, he's seen the ball less and he's. It's, it's almost placed a spotlight on his physicality in terms of running up and down the flank relentlessly, which he's kind of not one of them. Rob Andy Robertson's more, more in that mould. Kyle Walker is probably more in that mould. Um, and I think that's why, you know, I think it'd be interesting to play Trent as a right-sided centre-back in a three, because at least then you, you wouldn't get the chance of creation because you wouldn't be anywhere near the final third, really, but at least you'd get the, the progression. You know, you get the, the balls through the lines, the balls into the final third and that sort of stuff. So I think that would be an interesting one to try, but then to try it in a major tournament would be a bit of a, a big risk. Um, if he was to play as a right winger, um, you maybe get more of the chance creation, but I think you get less progression then. You get less of the, the ball progression because he's he's playing as a winger, so it's just it's probably going to happen a bit less. So I think for me, you're getting the best out of him, either as a right-back, which it remains to be seen whether England will play that's a system that uses a right-back, or as a number eight. Um, and again, p- playing him as a number eight for the first time in a major tournament, it is just a risk that Southgate could probably do without. Mm-hmm. Um, so without wanting to without look, wanting to look like I'm supporting Southgate's decision or anything like that, I, I think this is, you know, I just wanted to providing a bit of context around the decision from I spoke with analyzing Anfield perspective as to why it's despite Trent being an unbelievable player, it's uh, there's more to it really, isn't he? Yeah. I think he you have to say, I think if he wasn't English, he'd benefit so much more. You'd probably see a much better version of him if he was say and I mean no disrespect to any other I'm very conscious of what nation I'm gonna name here because I don't want to offend anyone but um yeah, get on well with the Scottish, so I'll, I'll say Scotland. Um, you know, say Scotland do, you know, do have some decent players, but I think if, if he was, say, Scottish, there'd, there'd be a, more of a window of opportunity for the side to be built around him and probably see him produce his best stuff. Whereas England have just got so many really good up and coming talents, you know, really top, top players, you know, Mounts, Fodens, Grealishes the top Premier League players, you know, in great form. You've got too many of them, I think, not to not to use them. Whereas I think if it was playing for another nation, he'd probably have a better opportunity having the team built around him and in turn produces club form on on international uh on an international level. Yeah, just a just a bit on what you've just said there in terms of the players you've just listed. You know, th- these aren't just Good players. These are these are extreme. These are top talents. You know, you're talking about Mount Grealish, Foden. So, in terms of what I listed before, when I said Trent is where he is in Europe, 
for key passes, you know, creating chances for his teammates in the Premier League only. Trent is sixth, um, and he's the top. He's the top defender in sixth place. Um, but in second in the league, you've got Mason Mount, and third in the league, you've got Jack Grealish, who missed about two months, and most of Grealish's as well come through open play. Mm-hmm. I think Mount benefits from a few set pieces. Foden is a bit further down, but I don't think he's played the minutes. I think Foden's played a, quite a bit less. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what Southgate does. I do think he'll select him in the squad, but whether Trent plays anywhere near such a prominent role as he does at Anfield remains to be seen. Um, and if that's not the case, providing Southgate fields enough creative spark to get England through to the business end of the tournament. I, I, I'll do my best to understand it, really, even though it's a, it's a tough one to take, because in my opinion, he's he's an absolute top talent, and he's a Liverpool Academy product, probably the best one since since Steven Gerrard, really. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it works out, Dave. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's one to keep an eye on, but... Um... I think it's, the, the conversation we've just had definitely contextualises it all, in my opinion, uh, which sounds very biased, but I just think it's... I look around and I don't see people having that conversation. It seems to be very black and white, but I think in this particular scenario, there's, there's a grey area, um, and that's why it's probably been such a headache for for Southgate, but also difficult for many Liverpool fans to, to understand how you could leave someone so good out. Yeah, I mean, I can't say this enough just before we round up, how much an England squad is not just a selection of the country's best players. It's, it's um, you have to form a squad and even deeper in that squad, you have to form a first 11 that is functional. Um, and it won't be functional if you if you just feel the gang of attackers every, every position, it'll be a bit mental. So, you know, going into this tournament, especially considering that a lot of these players haven't played together or don't play together on a regular basis, you know, you need balance there and hopefully Southgate will find a way to strike it and hopefully he'll find a way to do it with strength on the field. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we'll round up there. Um, little half an hour talk, talking strength. And, you know, we'll be back next week to talk about Liverpool transfers. Just as we're recording, by the way, on the Friday, Ibrahima Kanate has been announced. So that bodes well for next week, Dave, when we start mm. getting into the players that we think Liverpool should sign, considering they've signed someone already. But, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us anyway, mate. Thank you, mate. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, and be sure to tune in next week. Cheers. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.